Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. Uh, I'm here today with my good friend, Troy Johnston. Troy, great to have you on the show. Ben, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's an honor and a privilege. You, you're like uh, one of the star names of the Amazon seller community. So uh, I should have put the red carpet out for you. I'm sorry, but it's just a screen <laughs> today. Um, I, I'm looking forward to diving into a lot of stuff really with you. You know, uh, eight figure seller, you had an exit, um, probably multiple exits. I mean, I, I lose track to be honest, but you've you've been there, you've done it, you've built seller tools, which we'll get into. Uh, recently been acquired by Carbon6, the talk of the town in the Amazon tool space. So, uh, so much that we could get into. I want to talk about launching products in 2022 as well, because that is obviously a major part of what you guys have been uh, in and around so much for the last couple of years. And so, yeah, we'd love to get some more of your insight on all of these topics. But for the you know the two or three listeners that don't know who you are, um, give us a little bit more of a background, how you get started in e-commerce selling on Amazon, and uh, you know just a, a little bit of the that overall journey. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I started um, in the corporate realm uh, as a project manager. That's really what my background uh, lies in. So um, I was doing uh, TV commercials, radio, uh, digital media, um, just kind of in a project management role. So managing teams, resources and budget and all that good stuff. And then I stumbled into uh, the FBA opportunity in 2014. Um, That time was around ASM2, so Amazing Selling Machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so got started with uh, that program alongside a, a, a fellow colleague, another project manager. We were re- looking for side hustles and always looking for different ways of making more money. And mm. we actually stumbled into ASM through a, uh, it was a real estate um, network. And the uh, leader of this network and community was a affiliate of ASM. And so yeah. it's the kind of first exposure of what, you know, what is this opportunity in e-commerce and Amazon? Mm-hmm. And, um, the way that I actually got into, um, beyond her, her promoting this program was there was an opportunity for an angel investor to come in 50, 50 split finance, the inventory, finance, the program. And, um, you just had to say why would you would be a good fit? Why this angel investor should be uh, looking at you as a good option. So on a whim did that over a weekend and I, I won. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, that was the that was the initial steps and phases, and uh, started building up, f- failed through a few initial products, uh, started to find opportunities in the beauty space, and started to really build start building up a brand fairly quickly. Um, in that process, I had to have the conversation with the angel investor of, hey, you know, th- this is this is really starting to take off as I'm spending more time, putting in more money. Fortunately, I was able to buy him out. Uh, he mm-hmm. still still made. Um, you know, made a good amount of money, got a, got a solid return on his investment. But once I kind of transitioned away from that, you know, I was the uh, sole owner and full operator, uh, really built out that brand. Um, and fast forward about two and a half years, really after scaling it to um, about 27 SKUs, uh, sold it um, and realized a really great exit. It was really the first substantial business that was throwing off um, quite a bit of money and quite a bit of revenue. Um, and then once I was on the other side of that acquisition, started consulting and advising for um, brands, uh, notably some brands in the supplement category um, that were very mature. So they were also mm-hmm. kind of right on the cusp of being acquired, needed to refine some of their processes, bring in more key hires. So I was able to kind of help take them across the finish line 
And really not too long after that was the beginning of uh, Seller Tools, where I joined mm-hmm. my, my partners, um, uh, Brendan, who was really developing a lot of tools for his own businesses, eight-figure mm-hmm. seller himself, wanted these tools, wanted some of these data points. And that was really the seed of the idea and the initial elements that were coming together. And then when I synced up with him, it was how do we start to formalize this to create something that the community can really resonate with and mm-hmm. be more more broadly applicable? And um, so those were kind of the early days. Now, geez, nearly a half decade ago, um, that was the, the early days. And with enough time, effort, energy, resources, um, really arrived at um, what ultimately can be known today as, as a more of an all-in-one suite. Really, mm-hmm. uh, Solo Tools is aiming at taking a, a user through that journey uh, of the FBA journey of really being able to build out the foundational pieces, You know, do better keyword research, manage mm-hmm. those keywords, build out a better listing, do thorough competitive analysis, be launch ready, and then take the steps. And we support um, uh, launching, launching at scale, capturing more reviews, uh, being able to more easily rank. And um, yeah, that was really, uh, I think, at the end of the day, and as you mentioned, was compelling for Carbon6 and, and their vision mm-hmm. um, because it's very similar. They, they sort of want to take uh, the FBA journey and fill in all the gaps, give very explicit competitive advantages uh, to the users that are within the, the uh, community, Mm-hmm. and uh, do that again at all levels. That that dreamer, where I was at 2014, um, as well as the enterprise, and we have these you know conversations with the aggregators of like, hey, we're in a cutthroat, saturated space, you know, all these desirable categories, but we've got to tell and show our shareholder, this is where we're exploiting a competitive advantage and not um, being commoditized or bringing parity to the market to where there's mm-hmm. there's just no no advantage to be had. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what's brought us to today. And you know, what I'm focused on now on the M and a side, um, that's the role I've taken on. So I'm staying on with carbon six and supporting very similarly to where they saw, uh, what we were doing at solo tools and how compelling that was, is I get Mm. to have great conversations with tools and, uh, tool providers and, uh, those that are putting together some really unique, uh, tech, uh, and the talent behind those tools. And, talk with them about what's next, what's innovative and how that can fit into, um, the, yeah, the carbon six vision. Nice. Nice. Geez. So much time packed there. I'm like oh, <laughs> mentally thinking about 17 different questions to, uh, to come back on you. Um, I would love to talk just briefly about the early days because I think there'd be a lot of value in that for people. And then, uh, yeah, definitely talk more about carbon six, what's happening there and then, and product launches. But you talked about building a brand, starting selling in 2014 before selling on Amazon was cool before the Facebook ads about selling on Amazon started, uh, one of the early adopters and, um, you talked about making that transition towards building a brand again, before people really talked about that, I started selling in 2017 and nobody talked to me about building a brand people just so told me find a product that's got high demand low competition and that's how you sell on amazon and um you know that was good for a time but 2017 was really coming to the end of that season where that was the only thing you had to do you know because more and more people were selling on amazon you had to start treating it like a real business grow a brand uh, but you were way ahead of the curve with that what were the signals
signal points that you saw in the industry that made you make that pivot? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I think if I if I look at it honestly, and I think you know luck plays an interesting part in in a lot of businesses, especially sure. those that that realize some level of success. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to chalk it up to uh, luck in, in a few different forms. I, I I ended up in the beauty space, and so as a as a matter of wanting to compete in that that category. Um, building up some amount of brand equity and brand loyalty was really, really essential on a number of fronts of mm-hmm. you wanted, to, I wanted to welcome repeat purchase behavior. I did not want to be purely transactional. And so I really had to, uh, focus on what creates that repeat purchase behavior. Um, not only that, what I really aimed to do when I released my first product was start thinking about how I can extend the product line to where there's repeat purchase behavior on one SKU, but then how can I supplement or as is the case, um, for uh, beauty skin and hair care products, there's a regimen that most people follow, right? Mm -hmm. There's, uh, you know, if you start selling an oil, you can also still start selling a serum and then you can Mm -hmm. sell a moisturizer and then a cleanser. And so somewhat organically, for lack of a better phrase, it was or, uh, natural organic skin and hair care. Um, <laughs> I was already thinking about that of cross-sell and upsell potential. And mm-hmm. so it, it, um, I, I was very fortunate in that sense because it sort of forced it. It was, it was did I want to be a one-hit wonder where my hero product was the entirety of my brand or did I wanted to build something out, you know, both you know, in the depth, so more commitment at that uh, single product or single SKU level, but then that cross-selling potential to where I can own the regimen or, you know, as we would kind of say is own, own the bathroom as somebody has a stack of products. I want that to be my whole brand and them to resonate and, and, you know, from a psych, you know, buyer psychology perspective, we want them to align themselves or sort of identify themselves with, with our brand. So that's always the pinnacle that you shoot for. Um, but we thought about that. I mean, again, especially in those early days, it was still on platform. How do we do that on Amazon? You know, this is before brand registry and how media rich listings are now. Um, how could we still do that with some of the some of the levers at play? You know, nano influencers, other promotional strategies, other ways that we can endear customers to us through um, not even us directly. It was who who else were we kind of working with that had a positive, compelling messaging message that really resonated with our products and brands. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Really interesting thoughts. And, uh, it's crazy to think that you're talking about media rich listings that even uh, videos on listings is only quite a recent thing for the standard, you know, third party seller. So, uh, you know, I imagine back in 2014, 2015, that it was pretty basic. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's true. It's true. We sort of overlooked that, but now it's been, once we sort of hop that hurdle, Amazon has sort of like doubled and tripled down to where, mm. you know, they want, they want Amazon to be essentially a social media site. So mm. they want images in multiple placements. They want to encourage that. They want to see it, you know, as it shows up in more ad types, think mm. about mobile and desktop. So it's, it's taken on this really um, different and unique form. And in the past, you know, we, we, we only had a few, few select placements that we could use, mm. you know, use images. And so you sort of had to make the, make the most of the real estate you had. Yeah. 
And you, a quick one on your opinion now between the, the camp that says build a brand, uh, you know, diversify, sell off Amazon as well, social media, or just focus on launching products that meet search demand on Amazon. Where, where do you find yourself on that? Scale. Yeah, I I really like to still look at it on a case by case. There are certain products where it's really hard for somebody to, you know, we, we mentioned um, a uh, sort of a customer being able to identify or identify themselves more closely with a the product. Mm. There are certain products that are just, they're, they're not compelling enough. Somebody is not going to say, you know, I'm all about this. We'll, we'll mm. use the garlic press as a, as a trope and a, you know, yeah. a, a mainstay of an example. Somebody's not going to identify themselves and be endeared to that type of product. There, there could be exceptions, of course, to that rule. But um, there are other product types, categories where um, outdoor, sports, different ways that people sort of identify and see themselves and the products they use are, are just an extension or a reflection of that. Mm. So... If the low-hanging fruit is there, absolutely maximize it. If you can explore it in indirect ways, um, I know the copywriters and, and others in our community would say, hey, add in an emotional appeal, sort, mm -hmm. of, sort of take advantage of, um, again, that's the low-hanging fruit. We all have to build out detail pages. How are you, you know, crafting and positioning um, the, the real estate that you're given? Um, is that sort of make sure you address that nuance. Really understand that, uh, I think when when you see it being somewhat forceful um, and, and somewhat opportunistic, mm -hmm. it is those um, it is those one off purchases. Those, those are just you know even as we as buyers um, on Amazon, um, we we know that this is something that we'll we'll buy once, maybe come back in a handful of years mm -hmm. and revisit. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not going to their social media page. I'm not engaging. Yeah, yeah. I'm not on Instagram posts. I can't I, yeah. I can't see myself. Um, associating to that degree. So yeah. I think that category specificity and, and allowing yourself to, I think we're, I'll, I'll say I'm guilty of this, is you just don't put yourself, you know, take the lens of your customers or your mm -hmm. customer avatar and really sort of see um, what your brand and product perception looks like. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's, it's, a, it's just a good exercise. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I, I, it's never black and white, is it? I think there's um, there's nuance to it all, and definitely a bit of a scale there. So that's no, that's good to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, fast forward then to when you sold the business. Uh, was that 2017, 2018? Yeah, it was 20, 2017. 2017. Which is, that's pretty uh, pretty impressive, you know. 2014, 2017. You, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're able or want to talk about how much you sold for or range, kind of to give people a bit of a perspective. Yeah, it was a multiple seven-figure exit. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, which is good perspective because you know three years to go from zero to multiple seven-figure, and you talked about some product failures there at the start as well. Um, that's that's impressive, right? How how did you manage to scale up that quickly? What were some of the keys there? Yeah, I mean, it it really helped for me. So in those early days, you know, when I was just sort of seeking, had my full-time corporate job, um, seeking these other income streams and and sort of side hustles. What really helped for me, my, my colleague who, um, again, I'll, I'll chalk this up to some degree of luck, is that I, I, had, I had somebody right there next to me who was very entrepreneurial and formative times for me. Uh, I come from a far more conservative background. I'm fairly risk averse. And so I think that always kind of handicapped my ability to um, really aggressively uh, pursue 
a new business opportunity. Because yeah. what you have to remember, this is where people look back at this time and say, oh, it's so easy to sell on Amazon. You know, you could just do X, Y, Z, and then you were automatically making your millions. And while it's, it's not without a grain of truth, it's also, we didn't have the proof of concept. We didn't yeah. have the stories of people saying, you know, it's this easy, I've had mm -hmm. this level of success. Um, we, we were in the early days, so mm -hmm. it was or, or still, what's that? You, or you didn't have the data either, you know, search volume, demand, competition, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a different time in that sense too. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of have to take it as a whole and not just say, well, it's, it was the heyday, it was so easy to make. While that's true, that's, that, that's also true. The, da the data just wasn't there. We didn't see these success stories. And so we were sort of plodding along, creating success without examples. Um, yeah. And so it was, it was still sort of a new landscape um, in that sense. And so what helped me is that that colleague, again, we sort of, we, we were able to, he pushed me probably a little bit more than I, I pushed him. But that aggressive stance to where when we saw the proof of concept with that first product, well, it was like, okay, if this can happen once, we should be able to finance something similar, extending a product line, more inventory, just being willing to ultimately fully invest yeah. um, and sort of tip, instead of just kind of tiptoeing around. Mm -hmm. That's a big reason why I was able to get to a fairly healthy SKU count. Um, mm -hmm. Fairly, fairly quickly understanding that we were developing products, there was iterations, we were working with our manufacturers to, to um, come up with uh, different formulations of the product. And so that was really, really big for, for me, um, mm -hmm. is really seeing uh, the inside of the proof of concept, seeing it so close, and then having, mm -hmm. having both the accountability and the support um, of somebody who, at the end of the day, we were actually, so we were competing with similar products in, in the beauty space, um, and so it really required me to sort of level up and say, Hey, let's, you know, let's have some fun with this, but also am I, am I bringing my, my a game to, yeah. um, what started to formalize and come together as a, as a really good opportunity. Yeah. No, I think that'd be really encouraging for a lot of people because I think that a lot of people that I interact with, at least they come to try and start selling on Amazon because they want to, you know, make more of an income or quit their job in three, six, nine months. But the opportunity really is understanding the concept, uh, being able to convince yourself that, yes, this does work, seeing some success. And then I think, like you say, the biggest opportunity right now is going all in. You know, I keep saying to people, the biggest opportunity right now is not what you can make in three months, it's what you can make in three years. Because the, the you know, the big earning potential is, like you've seen and experienced yourself, building something that you can sell. And uh, so I think it's, yeah, be super encouraging for people to hear you uh, kind of back that up. So, yeah, it's good to hear. Yeah, no, that's a great point that you that you bring up as well is that longer time horizon is really important. Uh, not seeking that that immediacy. I mean, pretty much anybody I, I have seen uh, with some degree of success on Amazon, and it's a physical product business. It's 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 somewhat capital intensive. Is that you turn you continue to finance that that growth, and so we're not, we're not thinking in terms of just extracting a ton of money in, in, mm. in six months. Um, yeah. obviously you need to come to the space with your goals and objectives and kind of operate with those in mind, but yeah. that longer time horizon sort of can reduce your stress. <laughs> it can kind yeah. of get yeah, you, sure. yeah, away from just seeking that, um, more immediate dollar and 
building something, you know, substantial, bigger, mm -hmm. synergistic yeah. that can, you know, ask for those, those bigger valuations. If at the end of the day, a liquidate, you know, some sort of exit, um, you're looking for a bigger, uh, bigger payday. Um, and then I would just echo that, that point too, of where we didn't have no, as much on the way of the proof of concept now with enough history and enough, the ability to kind of look back, see some examples of what's worked, see, see examples of what works today, because obviously, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of thought leadership, a lot of really great people out there doing exceptional things on Amazon is really seeking out. I think there's, there's so much content and I can, I can imagine for somebody starting brand new is that you get this, these pieces of content, these videos, tons of views, people even maybe just sharing their, their journey, which I think is great, can help really resonate. Um, cause we all look, you know, we love stories. We love hearing those journeys, but you really have to, in my opinion, gravitate towards who's done it, who's got the battle scars, who's yeah. had that level of success and get those nuggets that, that help you when you come up against those hurdles and, yeah. um, start to see some of those challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Um, let, let's move on a little bit then. I'm, I'm conscious of, I don't want to go like an inch deep, but a mile wide and not really dig into it. Cause we could carry on on that topic for forever, but I do want to just move on to sort of more of what you're doing now as well. But when you did have that exit and, and coming into say seller tools era for your, your journey, was there a temptation, you know, I've had my exit, I'm just going to uh, chill out now. What, what were the emotions, the feelings of that? Did you take some time off or was it straight into the next thing? Um, yeah. How, how was that season for you? Yeah. Um, honestly, it was, it was very challenging. Um, mm. I think a lot it's, it's thought and I, I would have, if somebody were to have asked me before I realized my first exit, um, that it's going to be all roses. You're going to feel great. It's just going to be such an exciting time. Um, after I sold my business, it was fairly abrupt. So I had a transition period with, uh, the team that acquired my company and then it was boom, you're done. You don't identify with this brand. You don't identify with this business. It's you've, you've handed off your baby. And so I, I went through a kind of a bout of, um, I don't want to say depression, but it was, it was kind of a downtime. It mm. was, um, it was really challenging for me to get my bearings um, for that reason, because I think when you run a business, you you are so entangled um, in it. Your 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 identity is so tied in it that mm -hmm. it's that kind of abrupt change can really shake your foundation. So I yeah. went through kind of a, a really serious funk um, where I was just trying to navigate that and trying to figure out what you know what's going on. I thought it was potentially health issues because it's just so destabilizing. Mm. And so I know it's not, it's not the, the, the greatest thing to hear, but when I talk with other entrepreneurs and they're sharing, Hey, I'm looking at an net, like I start, I, I start to share that with them of like, here's where I stumbled and sort of, um, didn't, didn't properly plan. Mm. But I think it's one of those things where, um, it's, it's, it's sort of uh, looking at your expectations and, um, yeah, ultimately making sure that you're, you're in a good place and a good headspace to be mm -hmm. able to move through that type of transition. Yeah. Um, cause then what I ended up doing is like, I got in, so I got, I got busy again. I started to mm -hmm. really tie back in and said, Hey, I've got this, this expertise, let me support. And it was through my network. Um, 
some of my uh, some of my close friends and where their brands were were at, um, and it helped me kind of get through it. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I Ben, I you know I've had that thought of oh okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a long sabbatical. I may even retire, like I may step away altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was really you know it was really challenging challenging times. I, I uh, whether it was my own uh, understanding um, or what I was ready for, it just uh, like I said, it kind of it kind of knocked me off. But then I then I kind of picked things back up, and I'm I'm somebody who loves to work. Like mm. that's for me, I d- identify a lot with my work. So as soon as mm. I got back in, it was like, okay, well, hey, I enjoy this. I'm I'm involved. I'm doing really cool things. Yeah, I was able to help. Um, uh, one of my friends at the time was he was going through again a sizable exit, um, multiple multiple eight figures, all cash deal, really great opportunity. And was able to get heavily involved and really support it. And so that right into solo tools, I was able to put a lot of that behind me mm-hmm. and um, kind of mature, mature as an individual, but also from a um, business perspective. And I think about that now with you know the exits that we've yeah, recently yeah. gone through. And as mm-hmm. I look ahead, um, kind of where, where I'm at now. Mm. Did it feel different this time? It did. It did. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I've definitely, um, I, I would say definitely matured more in terms of, um, getting more of that foundation. It's, it's a really strong exercise in, in what your priorities are, um, mm-hmm. in life. Um, like I said, I, I love the challenges. It's, it's business to me can often be like that, that puzzle to solve. So it keeps you very engaged, but yeah. when you tie t- yourself almost too far into it, um, you lose that identity. You lose like what, what else is important to you and what else, mm. um, you want as that stabilizing foundation. Yeah. 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 When you do secure a little bit of a curveball one, but when you do secure that exit, maybe last time, this time, uh, from an investment point of view, what's your personal sort of thought process, cash in the bank, get it into investments. What are you, uh, what do you like to do with it? Yeah, my, my priorities right now, and I mentioned how I'm far more risk averse. Um, I, I've really um, become far more uh, far more aggressive. So I really try to actively deploy um, as as much capital as I can. Obviously, we're in a very inflationary environment. There's there's a lot of di- dynamics and macro trends that are that are at play. So when I when it comes to these exits, um, I really do try to think about in a tax advantage way, how aggressively, um, mm. I can, um, redeploy that capital. Mm. Um, yeah. so yeah, looking at different crypto funds and a lot, a lot yeah. of really fun stuff. And to your prior point and question, Ben, I, I, I thought, well, I could just be a money manager of my, you know, I, I could just mm. spend time strategically investing in that type mm. of thing. So I love it. And I, what I'm doing with the M&A space, I'm absolutely geeking out on that too, because that mm. is, um, that's the, the last 10 yards. That's the last mm. little bit to where um, I think in this community, people aren't thinking about how they could structure creative deals um, with FBA brands mm. and do stuff on paper, do really, really cool, sophisticated things that could merge two companies and take based on their top line could get you a higher valuation. Just really mm. simple stuff mm. that can use the... Um, the, str- the strategies that M&A provides to do some, yeah, yeah so, so some creative, um, creative deal structuring. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Because uh, that's, uh, I think, again, something that a lot of entrepreneurs coming in and starting their own business, they underestimate the potential of buying businesses as well. I think that's something that's, you know, fascinating me more and more. I think long term, that's definitely something I want to try and, and get more and more into. And so I think uh, having an active role in an M&A role, um, for anyone listening, it merges and acquisitions, so buying, selling businesses, um, having an active role in, in that for you, that's obviously putting you in a spot where you're going to be learning a ton about that, um, putting you in a, yeah, giving you great insight, great opportunity, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, this team is um, really sophisticated. We've got great leadership with a great track record, multiple exits under their belts, um, just closing Series A. So the the, the fundraising uh, the excitement, the size of the vision, um, you know, that the, the M and a side is really, really, uh, formative in that. So we'll, yeah. I'm sure we'll see plenty of really great, unique deal structures, ways of working mm. with owner operators. Mm. So plenty that, um, I'm excited to bring from just the FBA expertise, but plenty I'm going to learn as, as we accelerate a lot of the growth. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about carbon six then, because like I say, there's, you know, a fair, fair amount of talk about it, like the um, the new kid on the block. Um, there was a, a bit of talk beforehand, uh, before Prosper, and then obviously the Prosper. Actually, the first time I heard about uh, Carbon Six was when you posted in the FBA Kings group. Um, we're part of the Carbon Six family, and, we, and I was like, "Oh, that's great!" And I looked into kind of who they were, and I was like, "Oh, it sounds exciting," you know. And um, and then obviously the, uh, Prosper kind of announced uh, a lot more and started to become a lot more uh yeah uh overt i suppose about the, the marketing but for anybody that's listening don't know who carbon six are give us a bit of background yeah so carbon six is really it's a convergence of tools talent and tech really helping fba sellers at every stage in the journey at all levels and so um as an example uh one of the exciting initiatives that is that is coming together is the build out of uh, the academy this is going to be a place and a resource that uh, will will truly be that from the dreamer to somebody again who's just looking for their first Amazon buck, really wanting to build that foundation, all the way down to the enterprise level brands, the aggregators um, that are looking for uh, again have been in the space entrenched, potentially saturated. What's their unique point of difference? How do they stand out from a from a um, a noisy landscape? Is being able to walk through and that at each one of those points provide a compelling uh, solution and advantage to uh, two sellers. And so uh, where I mentioned uh, some of the talent, I guess I'm patting myself on the back is that carbon six <laughs> when they're acquiring tools is that they're also bringing in really great people. There's a ton of thought leadership um, even today um, that they're bringing in and letting uh, speak to the community, support the community, uh, inform the roadmap and the tools um, and that's where I think, um, on, as I'm touching on a number of points is really com compelling to the, the community at large. Um, we know the vast number of new sellers that come online. We know the vast number of sellers that are churning out of this business. So there's a big market gap. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, all the solutions are out there. Every problem solved. The numbers don't, the, 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 the numbers are pointing to the polar opposite. Um, there's just way too many not people not succeeding mm -hmm. based on the scale of opportunity um, that Amazon provides. And um, Carbon 6, I think, is going to be a big part in addressing that market gap um, mm -hmm. in that opportunity. And so yeah. that's, again, where I my, my role in particular 
is uh, I, I get to have fun. I get to sort of say, hey, what's, what's missing? Who can we talk to um, on the talent side? Uh, let's talk about the tech and the tools that they have and see if it makes sense. And if it does, how does it incorporate and provide a Carbon 6 user a uh, distinct advantage? And so I say this a lot because some, some people, if, um, if they hadn't heard of Seller Tools, I don't know why not, but if they haven't, um, <laughs> we, we were sort of a, a piece um, that had a similar vision as a, as a piece. Yeah. And now as, as the bigger puzzle is coming together, that vision is magnified tenfold, where now truly every, every box um, that we would want to check of unique data, better uh, optimization, true automation, all of these uh, specific things that we can start to do uh, for sellers can really come together and under one umbrella. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I just had um, Clayton, as I was saying earlier, from from Carbon Six on the podcast, and you know, it's completely unplanned. Like two weeks in a row, uh, you know, it's uh, unplanned, but good. You know, it's a, a trending topic, so hopefully uh, people find some interest in it. But I was when I was talking to him, he was mentioning like, a really great point that obviously. Uh, with you guys, there would be skill sets in, in seller tools. There would be skill sets in some of the other tools in, in Carbon6. And there would be people that are maybe more tech-oriented that are running the company, running the marketing, whereas now everyone can specialize and it can really bring out the best in all of the tools, which I, as a user, I'm excited to see, right, what you guys do. And I think there's a, a great healthy competition in the tool space, which forces all the tools to get better, which, again, for me as a seller, I think that's great. It's great for the market. Competition is great for the market. And so I'd love to hear you know a bit about seller tools like where you see it going uh you know the developments you see that are needed for amazon sellers and how you're going to try and uh, meet that need over the coming months and years yeah and ben you bring up a great point is that all of this um reinforcement and investment in tools the fba seller is the is the winner because we yeah, are going sure. to uh we're going to compete for the best product and that is value that lands in the in the FBA seller's lap. So, yeah. um, I think that's a that's a, creates a really really exciting environment for uh, for for everyone. We'll all have to up our game, and then, like I said, that value will be will be delivered. So, mm. um, yeah. In the in the context of seller tools, um, we just recently had a, a kind of a product review and looked at uh, what the roadmap uh, will look like. And it's really interesting because we're identifying these clear steps in that sequence of the FBA journey, identifying the things that we already do exceptionally well, and then identifying what's missing in the market at those specific steps. So let's take product research as an example. Um, Solar Tools just recently, uh, we released our Opportunity Explorer Pro, which takes the data that Amazon now provides, so first-party data, something we've never had the last decade, uh, any seller on Amazon FBA has never had Amazon source data to inform product research. We've sort of cobbled together these other sources, but literally uh, these sales estimates that we have that algorithmically estimate best mm -hmm. guess, we can go to Amazon for free and get. Mm -hmm. And now what we can do at Solo Tools, we do this right now if you use the Solo Tools Chrome extension, the raw data is great. But I'm, I'm a seller myself. I know at the end of the day, what I want is the analysis. Tell me the mm -hmm. so what or so why. Yeah. So yeah. the data is there. The tool does that analysis for us. And then it allows us to make a informed decision. So this is, again, happening right now. Sellers can go access this today. 
Um, but we're going to continue to improve on that fact because there is a huge market advantage to addressing the anxiety of sellers that are like, wait, I'm using estimates to source a product. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the most anxious time for most sellers, yeah. uh, especially new sellers. Of, I'm about to commit $10,000, $15,000 to my first product or my next meaningful product, mm-hmm. and I'm doing this purely on estimates, and an arm's reach away, Amazon's giving me that first-party data mm-hmm. to validate um, and really give me the peace of mind with my substantial yeah. investment. Yeah. So we're doing that at each step. Product research, keyword research, as an example, looking at what's missing in the market, what, what mm-hmm. are sellers doing right now that's maybe leading to a lot of parity. Um, one of the tricky things, um, and this is sort of a known but not spoken about enough issue, is that when there is a heavy density of sellers doing a lot of the same thing, there's no competitive, there's just no competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it, it's a challenge because we love community. We love kind of congregating, but when you have thousands, tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of sellers are doing the same exact thing, your direct competitor could be doing the same strategy through the same Mm -hmm. tools as you and your, Mm -hmm. your success is left to a coin flip. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is make sure we inherently, from step one, give you a competitive advantage with your keyword research, with now the superior data that Amazon gives us to allow you to make a more informed and superior decision. We don't want to leave that success to chance. So um, those are some of the nodes that we're looking at. And then I know that um, we mentioned and and touched on it briefly, uh, Ben, is is also, uh, and this is a little bit outside of solo tools, is the external traffic, is the other Mm -hmm. ways that some of these big levers have become focal points for more reliably ranking and automating the scale um, of, of product success on Amazon. So, um, but those can all be complementary because when you do better keyword research, that informs how you're driving that external traffic and you, you want to ultimately create a flywheel. That way you're sourcing new products, you know, validating products, doing effective keyword research, having your ranking and reviews automated, and then you can rinse yeah. and repeat. So that's really how... Solo tools ties in at the at, at the feature level, but then it mm-hmm. feeds into this flywheel where we want to, and we again created the sequence when we reviewed the um, the product roadmap, is we want to give you a a framework that you can follow. Mm-hmm. But within that framework, there's still advantages. So it's predictable, yeah. but there's elements that give you an advantage. Yeah, nice, nice. The um, the Amazon first party data, I think we're all still grappling with that, getting used to what that looks like and how we interpret that, right? But you guys have uh, sort of got that overlay on top of it that's really helped giving sellers clarity there. What would you say for anybody listening that maybe hasn't looked at that data, has never seen what Seller Tools is doing with that? How would that differ from a um, you know classic Jungle Scout Helium Ten you know product research tool? What what's what's going to be the differences there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, old, old school product research where you're looking at sales estimates, BSR, weight, price. Um, I, I think, I think it can be. Um, I'll say it's again. It could be a nice piece of the larger puzzle, but yeah. I think it's also really starting to show its age. Um, mm-hmm. In the context of Opportunity Explorer Pro, some of the things that we look at is things like uh, keyword level insights. So we want to see if there's any disparity in the traffic and in the sales at the keyword level. Because a really obvious, this is where it's like obvious to explain to somebody is if there's one clear winner in a space, well, then that isolates for me. Can I beat that clear winner? Can I mm-hmm. out-optimize? Can I out-position? Can I create a customized product or unique offering? 
if, if there is a uh, shared amount of traffic and sales across the competition, well, that may indicate to me that I, I have more competitors to overcome and I have to be sure. able to specifically address um, where those opportunities lie. One of the other things that we do is we tie into that analysis knowing our numbers. I think this is where, again, a lot of first-time sellers and honestly even intermediate and beyond sellers uh, overlook the importance of knowing your numbers. And what the tool does is it actually requires you to get down into the, your cost of goods, factor mm -hmm. in your lead time, add in your advertising and launch costs to where based on your budget, it's going to tell you whether this product opportunity makes sense. Because again, mm -hmm. somebody who's got $10,000 is going to be much more different than an aggregator with $50,000. Mm -hmm. And that's really yeah. where that validation should happen in real time alongside some of this um, some of this informed data. So really that's what the, the data opens up is we get to see little pockets of disparity or little signals of opportunities. Yeah. But again, the raw data, it's, it can be intimidating for some, a lot of people will geek out on it and really enjoy kind of diving into like the brand analysis and the search terms, um, and be able to, to spot some opportunities there. But what we do with the scoring is we, we sort of speak to that. Is it too saturated? Is there keyword opportunities? Is it within your budget? And so we give you that snapshot to where then you can drill down, add in your numbers, factor in some of your costs. And then for you, for your individual case, that's where the validation can, can really take place. We're not just saying, oh, there's a ton of sales and this BSR fits in a, a, you know, a specific um, criteria. We really unpack each one of those metrics. And one of the things that you'll notice is we do this at each level that Amazon provides us data. So they have what they call niche level, product level, and then search term level. We have analysis at each one of those levels. And as you can probably guess, this is sort of intuitive. We want to see checkboxes at each one of these. We want to see that the niche is viable, the product specificity. We can, we can see what products or type of products um, are presenting opportunities. And then at the search term level, we can already, at this point in time, identify that small subset of keywords that are going to be crucial to our success, because that is also a huge, both on the education and the tool support side, keyword research has to and should happen right alongside product research and product validation. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. yeah. keyword economics, as I, as I uh, like to call it, really important. Looking at the supply and demand of keywords, what does the landscape look like? Is there any kind of disparity there? And then... When you have all of that, all of those levels checked off, giving you that peace of mind to source that product and bring it, uh, bring it on platform. Yeah, absolutely. It's so key. It's the keyword game is as important as ever on Amazon. So it's um, definitely essential there. How about, uh, obviously that's product research. How about when it comes to product launches? It's been a whirlwind kind of 12 months for that, especially with you guys, you know, seller tools, the uh, real drivers of, uh, ranking campaigns using ManyChat, and uh, it was a sort of a sad day when Amazon updated terms of service to maybe rule that out. You know, I don't want to say definitely because who knows what other people out there are doing. But um, what has what has changed for you guys on that on that landscape? What's what's working right now on your front? Yeah, yeah. I think I think for us, um, you know, when that when that news came out, um, I think there was a lot of mixed reactions, um, both mm -hmm. in how people took it and then how they responded and, and the steps that they took. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was, it was a bit mixed uh, to, to see uh, how the community responded. Um, but for us, uh, specifically on the seller tool side, you know, where, where we really tried to encourage the conversation is thinking about 
um, still supporting customers in sort of a non-transactional way. Um, mm. And that really leads to a lot of the post-purchase strategies. Yeah. Um, and doing so in a careful, crafted and strategic way. Because yeah. um, ultimately, if we can do that, if we can have, you know, one out of five customers come back, re, you know, buy from us again, we know that that's going to continue to grow not only the goodwill and the support, it's going to increase our LTV and some of our other performance metrics. So that's really where we've encouraged and we support now through uh, some of our tools, um, mm -hmm. notably one that we, we've released. Um, it's called Campaign Manager. Mm -hmm. And what that allows you to do is use a web-based bot to be able to uh, engage with a customer and ultimately provide them value on the other side of the purchase. Mm -hmm. Is there content that we can provide? Is there a warranty and or registration we can have them complete? to where we can get to know that customer a little bit more and gather more meaningful information and data to continue that conversation. Yep. So that's really more where, we, where we've pivoted. It's been a little bit yep. lighter on the pre-purchase side of things. Mm -hmm. um, and then we supplement that um, as we kind of zoom out to the, the, at the carbon six level, we really aim to supplement that with other external traffic um, and influencer marketing initiatives. Those mm -hmm. are really big levers to be able to pull right now yeah. where that really hits more on the, on the, uh, the pre-purchase uh, yeah. for a number of reasons. Um, not only in terms of you know, the brand referral bonus, um, but also the rewarding of that external traffic from high domain authorities, things like Google, yeah. YouTube, that kind of thing. Yep. And the uh, because of that, you know, the post purchase, like we are using the uh, like free gift funnel um, at the moment, and like it's really, really been powerful for us, uh, a game changer, really. And that means if you're using something on post purchase, if you're building a brand, come back to the stuff we we're talking about earlier, you know, the first product you launch should be the hardest product you ever launch because second, third, fourth product you should have then the audience, the tools to be able to launch much easier, right? The, I mean, you mentioned about the campaign manager. Does is, is that mean that you, are you pushing people away from ManyChat or is that like a customized thing? It, it really came about from feedback from the community. There were, um, there were sellers that really wanted to move away from Facebook dependencies. There were others that were absolutely in love and have built out very robust solutions with ManyChat yeah. that yeah. Would, wouldn't, wouldn't leave if, you know, if they had to, they really mm. try to make make um, a lot of their systems and flows work. So really, mm. it's it's in the same uh, vein in terms of the uh, the features uh, and benefits that it offers. It's just sort of a different take with a web based. It's it's as if they're on a website, so they're right there engaging with a chat flow, uh, going yeah. through that journey, um, and you can do the same thing like a free gift or free free offer to make sure yeah. we're delivering that value. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, because there's uh, there's uh, the thing I love most about ManyChat is just the flexibility. You know, we can add like a one-time notification in, we can add a SMS pickup, we can add, you know, email subscribe. There's so much you can do there. Is it similar with Campaign Manager? It's really more, I would say, more templatized. So okay. really we try to make it objective-driven. So if, yeah. it is, um, if it is a warranty, it's a standard flow where you can pick some of the branding, add in your logos, mm -hmm. but we really try to make it a very streamlined process. And so sure. I think that brings up, brings up a good point in terms of the differences. If, if you really can and get excited by some of the customizations, many chats are really strong option. Mm -hmm. The campaign manager is, I just want to get to this objective. I really want to cut out any excess. Don't want mm -hmm. to make any tweaks or customizations. That's a great way to take a customer through that journey. 
Would you say that campaign manager is simpler for people just getting started with that kind of thing then? Yeah. Yep. And it focuses right now. So version one is just post-purchase strategies, but it would be per somebody just starting and saying, hey, I want to click a button, take us, take me through a little wizard that just plugs in my information. You know, what product, what, am I, what is the offer? Hit it live, and then it's good to go. We'll even give you a little QR code. You can just print it right there from campaign manager to add it to oh, an insert uh, or packaging. Yeah. yeah. There are people out there that say that to put a website on an insert or even as extreme as on your packaging is against Amazon's terms of service. Your opinion on this? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to call and report Sony. I'm going to call and report. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, I think, I mean, I, I've got a lot of feelings on this, but yeah, ultimately, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, Ben, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, um, I can appreciate how, um, let's say under nuanced and uh, sporadic uh, Amazon can be. Um, if, a, if a competitor is just acting with malicious intent, they could look out for poor execution is I would really try to mimic and match examples that you see in the marketplace and have a softer touch. I think anytime, you know, I've been heavily involved in Facebook groups. And so I, I have a really good sense of the community of when people run into these uh, events where they've been reported, or they've been taken down and all of the examples without fail are overt examples of incentivizing, of over-marketing, of being too aggressive with things that we want to do with a real soft touch. We want to, again, give that customer value, make it to where if I'm that customer, I'm excited by the offer, I'm wanting the continuity, I want the engagement, I want the support. And so we operate in that way, and the execution really reflects it. It's where you get in trouble it's almost like you know it when you see it. You're like, man, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't add that to my product insert or um, if I'm even remotely concerned about incentivizing. And in today's landscape, I understand people are taking down, you know, they're not displaying five stars. They're not implying yeah. in any way that, like, here's what's expected of you. They're soft, tough touch in the language, the execution, what's mm -hmm. presented, and that's, that's more of my stance. Um, but, yeah, it's ultimately just... Just handling over care, doing it, doing it in a yep. tactful uh, and strategic way. Yep, good, good political answer. I like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Troy, I, I don't want to take up too much of your Friday. We've been going nearly an hour already. I feel like we could do an episode on each of these individual topics. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, and still have, have questions left over. But uh, it's exciting to hear, you know, hear your insight, hear your journey, and, and hear about what you're up to now. Uh, what, what do you see as the next? sort of year to two years with carbon six, lots more acquisitions, building out the tools, like what's the, what's the strategy? Yeah, I, I think there will definitely be, we have, we have Amazon's changes and then we have the, the landscape of, uh, I think consolidation. I think mm -hmm. what, um, what's taking place with all these cottage industries, everything that sort of supplement and surrounds this, you know, as part of the ecosystem of FBA is I think there will continue to be a lot of, consolidation that will also consolidate a lot of the value. Um, and so really, you know, I think carbon six is, is going to be a really um, good example of that, of instead of, Hey, I need a dozen tools to take me through this journey. Well, maybe instead it's consolidated, it's refined, it's tweaked and optimized. And I walk through one door and now I'm confident in every subsequent step in that mm -hmm. journey. So I think that's going to show up in a number of different forms. I mean, we didn't we didn't um, dive too deep into to aggregators, 
um, mm. even service providers and agencies, there is a fair amount of consolidation happening, uh, happening there just in terms of how noisy the, uh, the landscape is and, and the challenge that a lot of, uh, folks have of bolting on the thought leadership and the expertise and the sophistication throughout a number of these cottage industries. That's a big challenge for mm. even aggregators. They've got to accelerate growth and show, show that shareholder value after they've acquired a, a viable brand that meets their category, that has all the, has all the uh, numbers to prove out success. So I think, um, I think consolidation is definitely um, probably going to be a big, a big buzzword um, alongside a lot of the disruption. I think, like mm-hmm. I said, that Carbon 6 is sort of a, uh, a case in point of there's been a lot of, uh, it's been very stagnant. It's kind of been the, mm-hmm. the cool, calm waters. And mm-hmm. I think the community... Um, the sellers in response to Amazon are excited by, and that's really what's, what's resonated excited by that disruption because they want to grow right alongside these hyper growth companies. Um, and so I think it's a really unique this, this year, um, and that we'll call it the, hopefully knock on wood, the post post COVID world, uh, now that (laughs) e-commerce has accelerated tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it, it will be very interesting dynamics, um, as Amazon brings more marketplaces online, makes their changes, more native tools that we get to play with as tool providers and think of creative, creative ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's my, that's, that's my long answer, but, uh, a lot of dynamics at play, a lot of that consolidation and, um, the disruption I think is, is exciting. Yeah, that's good. Uh, totally. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm excited to see everything that unfolds. Um, if people want to follow the journey a bit more of you, like are you active anywhere sort of on social or anything like that? And, uh, and where can people find out more about Seller Tools? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to check out Seller Tools, it's seller.tools. And then um, for Carbon 6, if you're taking a look at uh, our tools journey there, it's uh, carbon6.io. As you mentioned, Ben, we only just came out of uh, Stealth at Prosper. So a lot of things are new. A lot of things are exciting. Um, you may see a brand new website, a lot of different touch points uh, coming online. Um, and then, yeah, feel free to find me. I'll, I'll be on LinkedIn. Um, you'll be able to, to reach and see me there. I'll be engaging plenty. And there's uh, plenty of other communities that we take part in, and I do as well. Uh, FBA Kings comes to, comes to mind. Oh, yeah. It's a community we built Great with Seller Tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really awesome uh, community with plenty of supportive people. So can always uh catch me there too definitely lots of places to connect that's amazing joy thanks so much for coming on really appreciate you being on the show thanks ben yeah appreciate it awesome guys well thanks for joining us for this episode hopefully you got lots of value out of that check uh we'll put all of the links to what troy said there so you can check it out in the description and uh, we'll see you in the next episode real soon